This week, three sides of the coin, we go behind the scenes of the concert industry, the promoters, the business of putting on shows. We have one of the biggest concert promoters out there, Danny Zalisco, sitting down with us this week, talking all about tours, music, Kiss, Doc McGee, everything. Really cool. We also have a very special announcement with a very special guest about a very special auction, and we want you all to join in. Yes, yes. So stick to the end. You are not going to want to miss any of this week. This isn't like that sucky show from a few weeks ago. This one's good. Well, yeah, that, that those two segments of it, you know, the special guest and the special guest, those two segments are great. The rest of it's pretty sucky. <laughs> well, it's because you crashed and hacked into this show. Mark, who the three, are we now the three suckmeisters? <laughs> We're ba- are we back to being three whoa, sides whoa, of the whoa, coin? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Two Sides of the Coin. Two sides. Two sides. We are joined by our special guest, Ed. Hey. Hey, By the um, way, no tan, Tommy. No, you're no tan, Tommy. What happened? Well, you know what? I just got back from Florida today, and Are we you a did late a lot tanner. Of... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have time to put the tanner on. Exactly. We, uh, we, uh, we. This is a sightseeing thing. We did not lay at the beach at all. We were well, out. All right. All right. So. For many of our listeners who didn't catch this online, why the hell, Tommy, would you go to a pancake restaurant, pay to go to a restaurant, and then cook your own pancakes and eggs at a restaurant? Okay, well, that's well, not, well, you don't do that when you're on vacation. Mark, Mark, okay. do you go out and catch your own crab legs? Oh, hell no. Let me answer I'm the job of the fucking hut, man. When I'm <laughs> give me crab. I don't fuck. You're not steaming. Mark's not steaming his own crab legs. No, and and when, Ma- when Mark was when Mark was eating the bucket of crab, Cheryl's just like. <laughs> okay, so I answer this question for you. Okay, so there's this place called the Sugar Mill, which is outside of Daytona by about 50, 40 minutes. Roughly. We're not talking strip clubs here, Tommy. Let's go no. back to talking pancakes. It's pancakes called the Sugar Mill. <laughs> and it's actually a really cool park reserve they got like a natural uh, like pond slash lake there it's it's great for families anyway so my, my friend michael who plays in the hairball wanted to go there because a friend of his julie galante used to go there as a, as a kid he'd been there before well one of the big things there is the restaurant now i personally did not have any pancakes i had a burger but one of the draws for a lot of people is, is that you can order all these different things to put in your pancakes, whether it's walnuts, bananas, uh, blueberries, whatever you want, and they mix the uh, batter up for you, and then you can make as many as you want, and if you want eggs or you want sausages or whatever, and it's, it's almost like a hibachi, but you 
pour the stuff on yourself. So it's not like you're chopping up the food. They just bring it all out and you can make you're it. You're still the way cooking you it. it. I don't, I, I don't go to it's Benny Hanna's to cook my own shrimp. I got a chef right. in front of me doing it. Amen. Right. I understand that. But there was a 90 minute wait for this place. So well, if you want that's, to, that's, a lot of stupid people two wait to cook it yourself. Well, if you want the details, you'll have, to, you'll have to ask either Michael or my wife, because I had a burger that was made for me. All right. All I know is that that's where they wanted to go. And I said, fine, we'll go. I just don't understand the concept of going to a restaurant and paying somebody so you can cook your own food. It's think about it. It's freaking brilliant because, like I said, there's oh, from 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 the restaurant's point of view, brilliant. You don't have to have a chef, right? No, in fact, I think my waitress cooked my burger because she, <laughs> she comes up and she's like, "Don't worry about it. I'm going to melt the cheese right now." <laughs> like, I mean, okay. what 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 they have proven is there's gullible people everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it look, was at these, look at these look at these Midwestern rubes. Go in there, watch yeah. the watch the fucking uh, uh, the men's room while you're at it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The toilet seat cleaning, but it, it, but the park reserve itself was really cool. And I want to mention one other thing in Florida because Mark, you absolutely have to do this, and I know you're going to hate it, but to get there, but you have to go to Circle B. For all of you that don't know what Circle B is, many of you don't. It is a park reserve. It's a free park in Lakeland, Florida, which is just south of Orlando. And it's phenomenal. It's just so incredibly beautiful there. And you get to see alligators and all kinds of wildlife. And it's just, it's a stunning, cool place that you feel like you're in Jurassic Park. So my recommendation is if you can get there, please do. Can you catch your own oh. alligator and cook it at a restaurant? I bet you probably could. I was within about five or six feet of about three or four of them uh, the other day, that we, which was really cool. I saw that picture. You're fucking nuts. I was, I Mark, I'm glad you said you it, Mark. Me? Like I said, I'm plump and delicious. I'm plump and delicious. They're, they're going to fucking come right after me. Yeah, but I can run faster than you. Look, I only have to be faster. What I mean? Than the, I only have to be faster than the slowest kid. <laughs> exactly right. So, so that's the slowest kid. I was gonna say, Mark. So that's why Tommy wants you to come with him next time. Exactly. <laughs> Tommy's gonna give me some of that sunblock, and I'm like, this is butter. <laughs> Mark's like, this smells like chicken. Why am and I? Gonna, why do I smell like chicken? This butter, and he'll be like, hey, I taste pretty good. <laughs> I, I as, do that anyway. As as Tommy is slowly backing away from the alligator, and Mark's going, "Where are you going?" <laughs> I just sent it. you guys a. I just sent you guys a photo. Yeah, I'm I'm glad but, you brought that up, Mark, because when I saw Tommy's photo, I'm like, "Dude, why are you that freaking close and sticking your nose in front of an alligator? An alligator you, well, that's not behind a cage." This. Let me tell you this: it's one of those calculated risks. And for me, there was two things I got out of this trip, uh, three actually. One, I got to spend quality time with Michael, which was really important to me. Uh, so for those of you that get a chance, go see Hairball, they're great. Two, I got the buck, two bucket list photos, uh, and, literally and, of my life. And three, you got something that penicillin works great on. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
<laughs> but no, check that out. That's awesome, dude. Um, all right. I, I don't know why I'm asking this question. Yeah, there, there. Nice. That, 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 that was smiling at Tommy. But that's why it's you do it. Smiling at Tommy, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to ask this question, and I know it's stupid, but do you have any comments to read? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I wasn't on last week. Are you saying? You fired me. You freaking fired me last week. Did we? Mark, did we? Ooh. I don't remember. <laughs> I know we well, changed the name of the show I... to Two Sides of the Coin. Yeah, all I got was a message saying it's no longer three sides of the coin. It's now two sides of the coin, and you can just go fuck yourself. <laughs> that's what i remember that's much it hey who's this yeah. mike who's the special guest we are now uh, i don't know he's he, 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 he's a zoom hacker who got into this, sh this <laughs> somehow hey, hey at you, least he didn't quit the show at least he didn't yeah. quit the show remember that bit Ooh. <laughs> oh i thought you were talking about the guy who really quit the show <laughs> no, no. what do you mean this is how it's been since the beginning um i'm gonna just throw this out here you remember a couple weeks ago that show we warned everybody about that was an absolute piece of crap real honest to goodness train wreck sucked like you wouldn't believe somehow nearly seven thousand people watched it in one week I, there's seven thousand people out there that have zero life <laughs> And we, and we love you for it we do i, can, I swear to god I, I, I didn't think we'd break a thousand i think mo i thought most people would go like the first 10 minutes going i had one of my good friends was like what was wrong with you i'm like dude i just got out of the pool and it was a travel day i was like fucking lethargic as hell plus i had a couple bloody marys but <laughs> and there goes mark again i'm like i just feel like being <laughs> It's his room. Oh my God. I was in. <laughs> know what it is. All right. All right. Let's go. I got a hockey Let, game to get to. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap. Go. Let's wrap this up. I don't want, I don't want these nightmares of Mark's rooter coming back. Um, all right. So we have a phenomenal guest this week. If you love behind the scenes of the music industry, this is your episode. And if you love behind the scenes of the concert industry, this is even more your episode. We are joined by one of the biggest, most legendary concert promoters out there for decades. He's got a new book out that you're going to have to get. But we sit down for an hour and talk with Danny Zalisco. Big promoter out of the Phoenix, Arizona area. He promotes shows all over Arizona. He does shows in Vegas, but he's done shows all over the country. He gets into some great discussions about Kiss, Gene, Paul, Doc McGee, Paul McCartney. Ace and Peter. Ace and Peter, Cheap Trick. Um, you got to check this out. This, the, these, this is the kind of guest I love. I love I this because it's business, was, it's kiss, it's rock and roll. It's some fun, cool stuff. So let it roll. We'll see you at the end. Danny Zalisco. Want to get your official three sides of the coin logo and shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com.
Hey, Three Sides of the Coin listeners, we are really honored to have, I think it's fair to say, a legendary concert promoter, Danny Zalisco, joining us this week. And and Danny's here because he's got a brand new book. We'll get into this throughout the whole conversation, but you got a brand new book out called All Excess, Occupation Concert Promoter. Um you know, I've been in the music business for I don't know how many, many years here. So your name is well known as a concert promoter. You've been there since the beginning, basically. Um, let's and, and before the KISS fans who are listening go, all right, we're done because you're not talking about KISS for a little bit. Let's give the KISS fans a little bit of some KISS discussion. And then we're going to branch out into some of the many, many, many other artists you've worked with over the years. Well, I'll tell you what, um, my earliest recollection of KISS is an interesting one. There is a, there's a booking agency, and I should hook you up with this guy. His name's Jeff Franklin, and he owned a company called ATI in New yep. York. Yep. Have you talked to him before? I haven't talked to him, but, but I know of him in the KISS histories. Well, he, he is, he's extremely proud of, of the mark that he made in the business. I know he does. Um, and I, I speak with him rarely, not as often as I'd like. He's a great guy. He's retired now in California and, um, and he's still active on social media. So I see him all the time, but he was the guy uh, along with another guy called Frank Barcelona in New York. And, and Frank owned a booking agency called premier talent. So those two guys were the two biggest booking agents in the country. This is before CAA, before right. ICM. Um, William Morris was obviously in business and, and other agencies, but, but, but Frank Barcelona's company and Jeff Franklin's company were the two biggest rock booking agencies in the world, really. And, and Jeff, signed KISS. Now, I, I wasn't around KISS at the very, very beginning um, of, their, of their live shows, but I heard about them and, and I wanted to see them. But remember, when I first became aware of KISS in the 70s, we didn't have YouTube. Right. We, didn't have, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have all these video sources. If you were going to see a band, you'd see them on Dick Clark's American Bandstand or you'd see him on Ed Sullivan, or you'd see him on, on Lloyd Thaxton, or, or, or there was the Hollywood Palace. There was very few in the 70s, there was very few variety shows like an Ed Sullivan that would show groups like Kiss. Ed Sullivan would have had, a, had Kiss on in a heartbeat uh, if they were around when he was on the air. I wanna be Ed Sullivan, by the way, but that's another story. And, and real, um, real quick, Danny, I just want to introduce you to Tommy. He's our final co-host. He, he was he just right. back from Florida. Hey, Tommy. Nice to meet you, sir. Thanks for joining us. So um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. So, so Jeff Franklin, like Frank Barcelona, they used to put out really weird packages. And, and even back then in the 70s, they, they liked taking their groups who were not all that huge yet and package them together. The weirdest package I ever remember 
thinking of from Jeff Franklin's ATI was Earth, Wind and Fire and Kiss. Were you aware they played together? No, I wasn't. No. So at the time, it made sense because they were both incredibly visual. Yeah. Both, both, both bands, even though one was a, you know, R&B funk band and Kiss was this outrageous comic book rock band. But anyway, that was the first time I, I had heard about those groups was through Jeff Franklin. And then, uh, you know, then I got the records and it was all over. I mean, I, I absolutely love Kiss. I first met them in 76. Um, they came to the Coliseum and they had this new band from Rockford, Illinois called Cheap Trick opening for them. Um, I went to the show. I wasn't involved in the show. In fact, I was barely, I'd only promoted a few shows at that time. And um, uh, actually, I'm sorry, it was 77. Uh, I was booking a club called Dooley's and, and this had just begun. Um, and uh, Kiss came and played with Cheap Trick and, and they, they asked me the week before Cheap Trick and Kiss played, they said, would you bring Cheap Trick to your club like next week? And I said, but they're playing with Kiss. And you know, this is like, I'm kind of the new promoter. So I was a little bit slow. And they said, well, Kiss is already sold out and Cheap Trick wants to capitalize on that. So they want to come back next week. And I said, well, how many people are going to want to come and see Cheap Trick after seeing them, you know, with Kiss? And uh, they said, Danny, let's make it real simple, okay? We're gonna, you're going to charge a dollar to get in. They're going to play three sets and you're going to pay them 60% of the door. I said, my kind of deal. Let's rock. <laughs> um, I, we just had dinner with uh, Rick Nielsen before we left to come over here. And we talked about that show. Rick is a walking encyclopedia of facts and figures. Do you know that this guy, talk about anal, he's kept every hotel key and every plane ticket he's ever used. Wow. Really? Think about it. He's got boxes upon boxes of boarding passes and room keys. I go, why would you save that stuff? He goes, I don't know. Um, I never thought I was going to even be rich enough to get on a plane. <laughs> well, that, that, now he's got all that great material to auction off and retire on. Well, yeah. And then, he, then he's, got a, he's got a museum of his own in, in Rockford. I haven't been to it yet. I want to go to it. And uh, he might have 500 guitars in there. Um, he's a nut when it comes to collecting stuff. He, and he's so great about it. Anyway. Um, moving forward from there, I didn't, I didn't get, I'm trying to remember when I did my first Kiss show. You know what? I think the first time I got him was without makeup. Really? So you didn't, you didn't do a show <laughs> for the Dynasty Tour in 79? Nope. Nope. Because I'll tell you why. I mean, they, they, you, you guys are experts. You'll tell me when I had it. Um, in 79, I was still promoting shows in Dooley's. I wasn't doing arena shows okay. on my own until the next year. Uh, my first uh, my first arena show was Bob Seeger at the Coliseum where, where I saw Kiss play. Um, Kiss also did that. They did a thing out in the 70s in Phoenix where they played a show. And I think it was Kiss, 
I want to say it was Bob Seeger and Ted Nugent um, opening. And there was a couple of other really great bands. Uh, it was at a, at a ballpark around the corner from my house, my, where the Seattle Mariners used to do their spring training. Um, it was right in that time period there. But, uh, you know, I was exposed to them at a very, very young age. I, I loved Kiss from the beginning, but at the beginning of my career, that was just a little bit ahead of my ability financially, as well as really production, to be able to handle a Kiss show right then. But come the 80s, and Evening Star became the dominant promoter in the Valley, and I did all the, from then on, I did all the Kiss shows. Um, what, what was your impression when you finally met the guys in KISS, primarily at that point in time, Gene and Paul, you know, as people and as, as businessmen versus their onstage rock star persona, what was your impression of those, of that? Um, I, I was very impressed with them. I mean, they pulled it off. I, I mean, they, they did something that very few others have, which has become a huge rock band, much less, the way they did it. I mean, they took a very different route than a lot of bands did with all the makeup and the, and the hysteria and the wildness on stage. Um, I, I, I was, uh, uh, my favorite is and was Paul Stanley. Uh, he was always the, the most regular and nicest guy to me. Um, I've had great conversations with Gene Simmons. He's a very intelligent and bright guy a little bit out of his mind, of course, but he knows that. I know that. Um, but I, I think he's a cool guy. Uh, I mean, Jesus, what a tongue. Um, the uh, That's what and, all the women say. <laughs> that's what all the women say. But, uh, but God, if I saw that thing coming at me with that kabuki makeup, I think I'd run. Uh, <laughs> but that's just, that's just me. I'm a guy. Right. Um, the... Uh, 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 I liked uh, Peter Chris a lot. Nice guy. And, and you know, Ace is Ace. Uh, Ace was a piece of work back then. And, you know, the last time I saw Ace, he played just a couple Decembers ago. He came and played at Alice Cooper's Christmas Pudding, which is a Christmas show that we do out in Phoenix every December. And uh, Ace came out and did three, four songs, man. He was the best I've ever seen him play. That's how good he was. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he was doing stuff and I was watching him play and he was the only guitarist in the band on stage. He was playing stuff I've never heard a guitar player play before. And, and I told really? him afterwards and he explained exactly what he did to me and I didn't understand anything he told me. And I said, you win. <laughs> you know, he was, he, he was special. It was really good to see him in such a great place. Uh, mentally as well as on stage i mean he was in complete command and i have never seen him like that before i've seen him do solo gigs i've seen him in all different ways with kiss but uh this is the best i ever saw him so i was really happy Dan um, danny as 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 you were as your business was coming up and starting to grow what from the industry side especially venues promoters agents what was the the attitude or the feeling towards kiss i mean we know you know publicly there was a lot of people you either loved them or you hated them you either got it or you didn't get what it was about 
And to some extent, even the general music industry sort of been always been that way about Kiss. You either in the music industry, whether you're a label, a radio station or whatever, you either got it or you didn't get it. What do you recall? Well, you know, at the very beginning, um, it, it was very different. It was very strange. It was very odd. People made fun of it. People didn't understand it until you saw it, you know, and, and, and again, I mean, think of KISS now had they come out as a social media phenomenon as opposed to when they did, which by comparison of the dark ages, um, you, you, had to, you had to either see them, a film of them live or, or you had to go see them in person. Um, I, I think the attitude wasn't all that generous to them at first until you went and saw their show and saw that they could actually play and the reaction that they got from people and, uh, and boys, girls, moms, dads, men, women. I mean, everybody went to see this group to see what all the excitement was about and they delivered. And the fact that they're still around 50 years later kind of proves it, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, it might not be your cup of tea, just like any other kind of music or presentation, but it doesn't matter. As long as they got an audience and they can make a living, they deserve it. And uh, they, they uh, the fact that after a while, it turned out that Kiss was here to stay, um, that, that and, and people were taking note of these box scores they were putting up and how many people are coming to their shows and how they're headlining over everybody. Um, you know, it, it just turned into one of those things like, well, it's another day. The sun came up again today. I was, Kiss, Kiss is still huge. Yeah, you I was know. gonna. I was gonna say it probably turned into. I might not like these guys, but they sell tickets and they put money into my business, so I love them for that. You know, I, I never, I, I, I do not recall a whole lot of misunderstanding about them. I, I, because it's a weird thing in in our capitalistic society when somebody is successful and it's obvious, and you can see it, and you can touch it, and you can breathe it, people leave you alone. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. if, if you're Kiss, and you're out there doing that kind of show, and you're stiffing, and nothing's happening out there, then you go, hmm, hear those jerks kiss her back in town again. You know, it, 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 it depends on, on, you know, like, are you the flavor of the month? Or are you here to stay? And, and, uh, and these guys are here to stay. The only time I really saw, you know, there be a, a serious ebb um, in in uh, in their existence and their careers was was during that period when they took the makeup off. And 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 I, you know, I can see it. It's it's kind of like the old Charlie McCarthy thing, where where the dummy gets to be bigger than the than the ventriloquist. I mean, kiss. Oh, I mean, at that time, I, I believe they went through a phase. They wanted to be known for being great musicians and a great rock band. And we don't need all this stuff. Personally, I think they got tired of putting all that damn makeup on and taking it off all the time. Was, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine what those guys go through every day. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but they came out of that, you know, and, and afterwards, they, they, uh, we also did a show in a nightclub with them. It, it was called After the Gold Rush. So... Like a lot of bands, like almost every group, every entertainer on earth, 
people go through highs and lows. And, and when they came back, you know, when they did come back in the nineties and they called it their, you know, the farewell tour, what was that? 25 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Basically. Right. I mean, you know, you can believe almost anything anybody in KISS tells you, except we're retiring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, Danny, I, and when they get well, pressed for the, when they get pressed for that one, they say, go talk to Doc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest bullshitter of them all. He is P.T. Barnum. I mean, the thing that saved KISS, as far as I'm concerned, and Doc paid me a lot to say this, he saved that band. Just ask him. He'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and staying with that theme, Danny, of, of Michael's question, when it comes not so much to promoters, but other artists and musicians, that at least from our perspective growing up as fans, they didn't carry the same level of respect that so many other artists of their time or earlier did. Do you think that some of it with these other artists that didn't, get it it was more of a of a envious type of thing or jealousy thing than anything else or they just thought it was dumb because it was something different than what they're used to you're talking about their impressions of kiss yeah because i've i've often wondered why why somebody else is playing in a rock band that's along the same lines as they are seem to just look down so much on them at least that was my perspective like a lot of people thought it was stupid because like for me they're every bit as good as the who or better because i love their music now the next person might disagree with me but like to your point when they're selling tickets and they've got a loyal fan base you got to have some respect for that well i i think you're right there <laughs> i i think you know when you get into the comparisons is where it breaks down because, you know, then it's just whoever, whatever anybody's cup of tea is. Right. You know, it's like, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of both the who and kiss. And I, and I love yeah, all, me too. I love, I love all the different bands. Now, you know, uh, whether or not kiss and the who are equal in terms of musicianship or song quality or presentation, I mean, they're both, they're both two of the most bombastic bands on earth. So for, for either of those two bands not to love the other one, I would be very surprised. Although it, it, I guess it, it would make sense for Pete Townsend to sneer because he sneers at everybody. Um, oh, and I'm just using them as an example. I love the who, I was just... No, but know. I mean, it's like, you know, there's the gimmicky side of Kiss where you have these other people who are a little bit more uh what's the word purist about it i don't know i don't yes, know yes that's a great way to say it and 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 the, and then the thing is you got to break down what purist means to a hard rocker and and that means drop the illusions drop the ego and and because any musician knows how hard it is to break through and get noticed much less put out a record or more than one record, much less get on a stage and draw one person, much less a thousand or 10,000. So anybody who, who didn't have respect for them, um, you know, I think you're right. It boils down to being envious or jealous. They're going, well, I, I didn't have to put on makeup and, and I didn't have to turn it up to 12 to get noticed. Yeah, except you're still not noticed. 
Well, exactly. So, and that's kind of know, my point. Like, in, in other words, your songs weren't good enough to overcome that either. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, part of rock is about competition. You know, who's got the bigger balls? Who's, who's louder? Who's got more trucks on the road? Um, right. You know, but, but it boils down to, to me, it's like, who comes up with the best, you know, antics on stage? Who charges the most reasonable ticket prices? Who looks out for their fans? Who starts the shows on time? You know, who delivers every time they play? That's what I want to see when I'm talking about a band. I want to know all that stuff. And, and, and you, you've never seen Kiss go on stage late. You've never seen him give a bad show. And uh, by the way, I feel the same way about The Who. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, and, and that's just because I saw that so much growing up, you know, and we've talked about this on our show many times. And the, the best example is, is Michael. Uh, we have a, a local station here, KQ, which is a classic rock station, who just kind of. <laughs> Tommy, we lost you. I'll, I'll pick up and finish his story, Danny. So, it, you know, basically in 82, when KISS did their Creatures of the Night tour, which ended up being canceled because it was their last tour in makeup and nobody was going to it. It was a great metal album, but the radio stations wouldn't play it because it was KISS. Yeah. A year later, KISS takes the makeup off, comes back with Lick It Up, and radio is all over it. And I called the station, played stupid, and I said, who's that band playing Lick It Up? And the DJ goes, that's Kiss. They took their makeup off. Don't they sound great now? And I was just like, no, you didn't listen to the last album. Makeup has nothing to do with this. Right. Thank you, Michael. You know, um, it, it's a shame, you know, even back then and especially now, I mean, uh, people who are on the radio aren't really allowed to listen to records. They're not allowed to listen to new right. music by Vintage Jacks. They're not allowed to listen to anything. I mean, you can do whatever you want when you leave the studio. But uh, but when you're in there, you're going to play those 40 songs or whatever it is. And, and that's it. And, and it's a real shame because radio, which is one of the only free mediums out there, you know, basically gave their business away to to Spotify and YouTube and everybody else because they wouldn't keep up with demanding tastes that people have. They don't play what people want to hear. They play what, what, what their researchers tell them to hear. And so, so all of the classic rock bands, none of them want to make new music anymore because they don't feel like anybody's ever going to get to hear it. And, and they're right. You know, unless you're a yeah. true, you know, I mean, Paul McCartney puts out a new record and sells 50,000 records. What in the hell is that? Right. Right. And it, you know it, what? It, it's, not got, it's not gotten played on the radio. And frankly, between having a knee operation and putting out a book, and, and, and trying to figure out what's going on with my concerts in the midst of this insanity, I haven't had time to listen to Paul's album. Well, why the hell can't somebody play a song of it on the radio? It's Paul McCartney. Play a song. How well, hard know, is it to do that? The funny part right now, and I, you know, the brand new Alice Cooper, it, it, did you see it? Was it number one? It sold 13,000 copies. I mean, you go back to the 80s, 13,000 copies was a complete failure. He would have been yeah. dropped the next yes. morning. <laughs> you know, but but you see, they should be selling 50,000 or 100,000 or 200,000 um, at Apple, and Alice should be getting paid appropriately for that. Yeah. 
I, I agree. I mean, I'm still one of those nutty guys that buys all my music. You know, I, it's just, I like having the physical copies. I also think it's just the right thing to do. Well, um, it, it is. And, and, and you see what happened in that 20 year ago or a little bit longer time period when the Napster era took over and people started stealing music and, and I'm guilty of it too. It's just there. And it's like, all right, everybody else does it. So why should not? I still buy plenty of records. I buy stuff, but uh, you know, it's like when, when they, when they started taking the music and, and just, you know, people just got to hear it and it's disposable as it is nowadays. I mean, you would never throw out a CD or a record, uh, but you, you will, you will make more room on your iPad for for another record if, if this one you don't like so much you'll just knock it right off of there um people gotta i mean i hope the day comes back around where people actually pay for music again and artists are able to make money they're at least they're two or three dollars or whatever they should be able to make um I, I mean when i was when i was a kid they made a buck and then they got up to two bucks michael jackson got two bucks uh, so whatever they can make, they should make, but not being paid for all the airplays that, that people uh, are enjoying all over the planet. I, I don't think that's fair. I don't like it a bit. Dan Danny, let's um, let's jump to 1996 when Kiss put the makeup back on. As you were alluding to during the 80s, things got a little tougher for Kiss, especially on the touring front. They weren't selling, they were still playing arenas, but sometimes they weren't full, they were half full. Um, the makeup goes back on. And I'm assuming you did a reunion show with, with Kiss when they put the makeup back on. From your side of the business, did you look at that and go, oh, this is a slam dunk? Or was there a little worry of, are the people gonna get this? Slam dunk, I had five shows on that tour. And, uh, I, and, and Doc was managing. And uh, so Doc's edict was, and I have the picture in my daughter's room, um, you, uh, on the first night, if you have more than one show, if you, on the first night, you have to put on the makeup. you the promoter. So mm. I, I have pictures with the band full makeup. Uh, nice. they, came, they came down and did it before. And I, I walked out and Paul goes, not bad. You should have come and seen me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there was absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that this was going to be the biggest thing on earth. Now, if I recall right, and tell me if I'm wrong, didn't Doc, didn't Doc bring them back with a Halloween show in Tiger Stadium? Do Dodger, Dodger Stadium in 98. They did. Um, they Before kicked off. That. No, they they started the 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 reunion tour at Tiger Stadium in Detroit. That That's was the first saying. show sold out in what like forty some minutes. Yeah, but that that's what I'm saying is like when when they came back and they they put that show on sale first and only, um, and and it blew out like that. It, that's what set the table. For the rest of the tour well, you know were, i mean were, were you as a promoter waiting to see if that first show was going to work or did you just know it was going to work i knew it was going to work and at the time i mean doc mcgee and i have been best friends for many many years unfortunately we don't talk quite as much 
as we used to, but at that time, through the 80s and 90s and, and, and 2000s, we were on the phone constantly. So I was a part of what was going on and Doc was very good about doing that. It's like when you're, when you're in business with Doc as a partner, as a promoter, it's like you're a partner in the band. You're not just a promoter. You, you need to be on the same wavelength as him and understand what he's doing and what he's going through and what's happening with the band on and off stage. You know all of that stuff. So when, when all this was happening, I mean, he had been working on this for months and months. And, and we were all his friends, the promoters, were all along the same wavelength with him while he was doing that. So we were all jamming. We were all pushing. We were all just waiting with anticipation. There was, there was never a doubt in anybody's mind. Uh, did it, did it, did it become it. bigger than you had even anticipated? Because, I mean, as we all know, looking back, that reunion tour just exploded. It was Kiss like the 70s all over again. It ended up the biggest tour of the year. Multiple yeah. legs, multiple shows, everything sold out. The cover of every newspaper, every magazine, was that even bigger than you thought? Well, I, you know, it's like, what, at what point can you stop saying how big something is? The only way it could have been bigger for me is if I had had another day in each arena. Right. You know, because it, it would have done that. It, it would have done multiples everywhere on that tour. And the thing is, you know, you, you can't add those dates six months later. People want to be in the arena now. They want to be part of the scene today. So, I mean, the only way to do it is if you can, if you can book back-to-back -back nights in those arenas. And, uh, you know, hey, it, it continued for a long time. I mean, their, their dates through the rest of the 90s into the 2000s, I mean, ever since, have pretty much been, you know, as successful as you can be as a band. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can we can look at the end of the road tour that they had to stop, obviously, because of COVID, but still huge. I mean, we we, ha we have a saying on the, on the podcast here, forget the haters. We won because Kiss is a band that, you know, we all remember 40 years ago, everybody telling us they suck. You suck. They aren't going to be around. Led Zeppelin's better. Deep Purple's better. And yet here we are. 40, 50 years later, and these guys are still selling out arenas and stadiums worldwide. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's not going away. And, you know, the, the, the thing is that, that KISS has going for them is, is with that makeup, they never age. They never change. And, uh, you know, one day, one day they're going to, well, God, God forbid that I even say this, but one day somebody's going to replace those guys and it ain't going to matter. It'll matter to us. It'll matter to people who watch the originals. But um, I would say a hundred years from now, there's going to be a kiss on stage somewhere. Kiss yeah. is, do you think kiss is the only band that has that future in front of them where the band literally can continue on with anybody playing those characters nobody else no other band is in that situation when mick jagger well, gets too old you can't replace mick jagger with a mick jagger lookalike and continue the stones um sorry i'm going to disagree with you 
Okay. As long as those catalogs of music exist, there will be somebody out there playing their music live. Will it be somebody that replaces them? I mean, now, who would have thought somebody could replace Steve Perry? Right. It happened, babe. You know, how about yeah. Stick? True. How about everybody? I mean, here, there's this one crazy thing that happens. Life, then death. You know, or death of a band, death, death of uh, the need to do it, or they get sick or whatever. The music continues. The most, I mean, who was the first tribute band? Beethoven. Beethoven had to teach somebody how to be Beethoven while he was still alive when he lost his hearing. But there were still Beethoven concerts. And there's still Beethoven concerts to this day. So, That's are they, yeah. you know, so, so the fact is, are they tribute bands or are they like, like take Chicago, for instance, Chicago mm. has like one, he has, they have the keyboard player, Bobby Lamb and, and a couple of horn players, but all the rest of the people are gone. They're not a tribute group. They're still called Chicago because they own the name. Kiss will continue to own their name. And the music of Kiss and shows will happen forever. That, that's, that's all I know. Maybe maybe Tommy Thayer will carry the torch. Maybe Eric Thayer will carry the torch. Who knows? But there, all I know is this. There is no reason for any band, much less Kiss, to ever stop being that brand or that franchise or that band who plays that music that we love to hear. And there's nothing like hearing it live. So I, yeah, I think... No, they're going to be around forever. That's interesting. Uh, you're, but you're right about the Beethoven thing. All that. I never thought about it, but that's that makes sense. Um, I want to talk about... A, uh, I'm saying this because I don't know if this is the correct way to say it, but I've heard it from other people over the years. A and B markets. And one of the things that we were discussing a number of months ago, or maybe last year, who knows at this point, um, is some people kept saying, well, you know, this can't sell out uh, places anymore. And so they have to just go to these smaller venues. And we were like, well, you don't want to oversaturate a market. I don't care if it's Kiss or it's Heart or it's Motley Crue or whoever. So from a touring cycle as a promoter, what are you looking for? Do you try to book them in different areas of the country into different markets or What's the idea behind all that? Well, typically it, you want to, you want to do like 18 months to two years between plays. Okay. And, and in the last 20 years, since everybody's money from recordings has shrunk to nothing, um, they've had to get inventive about how they're going to make money. So it's merchandise and it's concerts. So sometimes with some bands, you're going to see them coming around a little bit more often. And it's for one of two reasons. They need the money or because there's the demand for them. The third reason, which is there's no demand and they still need the money doesn't count. So when, <laughs> so when, so, so groups, groups got a tour in order to eat, you know, and, and they'll come around sometimes too often. And that's what'll cause a stiff to occur. So for instance, 
if, if, if somebody wants to, you know, continue, continually cycle around the country, it might be a good idea to pass up Phoenix and go to Albuquerque and then go down to Tucson and over to Long Beach instead of going to Phoenix in LA. You know, I mean, there's a lot of cities around there and there's a lot of people to go out there and play in front of that are big fans. And, and there's something to say about the energy and the excitement of going to places that don't always get the big shows. So right. it, it, it definitely makes sense to tour the smaller markets and the smaller venues. They got fans there too. Otherwise they're always making their fans drive a couple of hundred miles each way to see them. And, and, you know, that can suck, but it's better than not being able to see them at all. Um, personally, right. I, I love, I love going to all different size buildings and markets, but like in a group like Kiss's case, their demands are also physical because they have to have venues that can hold their show, which is huge. Right. Dan, Dan, Danny, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen to the, the, especially the touring industry when the Kisses, the Aerosmiths, the Cheap Tricks, the Stixes, the Duff Leopards can't tour anymore? They're no longer, I mean, no, nobody anticipated, especially those bands, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, they'd be doing this when they're 70 years old. Neither what, did I. What, yeah, what's going to happen when those bands that you year after year can count on coming through, filling a shed, they can't do it anymore and it's done? Well, I think classic rock radio should wake up to that question and start playing some of the bands that are on the radio or that should be on the radio right now and should have been for the last 10 or 20 years. You know, there's a lot of great rock bands out there that, are, that aren't 60 or 70 years old, that are 50, 40, 30, 20. And I mean, where, where's the other three dozen Greta Van Fleets? They're out there, you know? Um, Radio needs to pick up on this because what they've been doing all these years, calling things classic rock radio and playing the same Boston track over and over again, that is not classic rock radio. That's repetitious BS. That's what that is. You gotta, you gotta play, you gotta do more than meat and potatoes. You gotta do some fish. You gotta throw some vegetables in there. How about a nice salad? You gotta treat music like food. It's a diet. You know, you can't live on Kiss alone. You can try, but you're gonna sneak some Aerosmith in there. You will. You watch. You know, that's it, it, we gotta have more variety on the on the media mediums that we have available to us now that where you have tastemakers and influencers that say, listen to this. If you like this, you're gonna like this. Nobody has the time to do that on their own anymore. And they have more choices than ever of how many bands and different places to go to listen to music. They don't know where to go. Well, well they don't Danny, know how the to biggest... start doing. That's Danny... why radio stations used to be great. They had masterminds there that would go, I'm gonna play you uh, uh, 30, 10 different songs per hour, 24 hours a day and never duplicate those songs until the next day. They could do that because they knew what they were doing. Now they don't know what they're doing. They're ordered to play a few songs. And, and hence, only so many bands are big enough that can draw in concert 
because that's the only bands that people hear. They need to play more music and they need to open up now. Danny, don't you think the problem was, is, is really lies at the feet of Clear Channel because when you used to have radio personalities who, who played songs that they chose, there's zero individuality. You know, I'm, I'm in you know Detroit. What, I, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know what you're saying, but I'll tell you what. This was going on before there was a clear channel. Um, there, there, there were people, you know, in, in the markets in the, where I promote, in, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, as that clear channel uh, business was building, um, you know, until, you know, like up until, you know, when it changed, when Bill Clinton deregulated radio and you could own more than one, mar- one station in the market, Bill Clinton did that. And he shouldn't have done that. That was, a, that was the worst thing he ever did. Monica Lewinsky was the best thing he ever did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Good much. night. I love what you just Tip said. My, my grandparents <laughs> had a house in Fort Lauderdale. And when I was 16, I used to go down there. Uh, I think it was 98 Rock or one of those stations. They played stuff different than what they played here in Detroit. And I started getting into bands, some of the Southern Rock bands that we didn't, you know, here in Detroit, it was all Seeger and Nugent and Jay Giles and, you know, but down there, you know, we got, you know, Molly Hatchet and and that's the stuff that I'm like, wow, they don't play this at home. And I couldn't wait. I was excited to, to listen to the rock stations down there because of what you just said. And I, you know what, and I'm nothing special. I bet you there was millions of kids like me if they would have had the chance to hear a wider variety of rock music. You know what I mean? And I think that that is still true today. Um, There's a lot of bands out there dying for airplay, but they also need the supervision and the professionalism of the engineers and the producers. I mean, just because they can turn on Pro Tools doesn't mean they're going to have a hit record or that they wrote the right song, you know, or or did anything right. there used to be a great support system in our in the record business to help these artists and groom them. Um, they just because they can sing okay or they look good or they're cute um, doesn't mean they know how to write a song properly and, and put those things together. I mean, think of it. Think of being the Beatles, and they had George Martin. Imagine if everybody had George Martin. Would everybody sound like the Beatles? No. Would they sound no. twenty times better? You bet, because they had a master of the of the studio in there, you know. And I mean, that was that was their difference. Same with Pitt, the great one, you know. I mean, where where would Alice be and Pink Floyd and and Kiss? Name it. All the bands that this guy produced, he knew his way around the studio. He knew how to bring out their best sounds. You know, without him, they wouldn't be them. Well, well, that's true. You know what, though? What you just, especially at Alice and uh, and Kiss are two great examples. Something the record companies used to do is once they they groom an artist, and then once they hit, then there was back catalog to sell. You know what I mean? Kiss was a they Kiss didn't really hit big till Alive. Well, all of a sudden, Alive song, kids start buying the first three. 
you know, Alice really hit with Love It to Death. But then there was a couple of records before. You can go Judas Priest on down. You know, all these bands, they, they built up a following. And then once they hit, then these kids would go back and buy. I was one of them. I fucking went back and buy, bought everything by the bands that I loved. And, and, and sadly, you know, the, the kids were the product of their actions, which was when they started stealing the music. You know, I mean, because the, the record companies couldn't stay in business anymore. And there was a lot of artists who claimed the record companies were shysters and ripoffs and jerks and creeps and all that stuff. Well, at least they signed you. And at least they backed you and allowed you to record and helped you make a product, make you help you make a record that you wanted to make. And, you know, is it their fault that didn't get out or, or, or nobody heard your songs or they thought you sucked? I mean, the bottom line was before all that can happen, you got to have that leadership and you need to have that poise and that confidence and professionalism where where somebody other than your four or five guys in the band can can make something work and 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 be a complete musical meal for the listener. Uh, otherwise, you're just giving them scraps, and that's what you're hearing a lot of when you're hearing local bands or or even national bands that that do everything themselves. Uh, it doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make their songs bad. But when people complain that they're having a really hard time getting through, what I'm talking about, what we're talking about here is, is a certainly a large part of it. You, everybody needs help. You know, along the way as a promoter, I needed some help. I needed people to pat me on the back or push me in the right direction or say, yeah, you're doing the right thing here. Or no, don't do that. I mean, by example, by actions, you know, that's what happens of, of any business, much less you know, our, our music business. Hey, I got to ask you a question before, because I know we got to let you go soon, but as a promoter, what was, what show, two things, what was your biggest success of a show and what tour, what show was like the one you're like, I wish I never would have took that on. You know, there, there's been, there's been so many, so many great ones. Is somebody going to, um, you know, the, the, the original Paul McCartney show I did at uh, Sun Devil Stadium, I think, had to be like one of the coolest things I ever did. Uh, I, I was, you know, obviously a Beatle fan for many years, 30 years before I met him. Um, that was, uh, it, it was like a recognition for myself that, that when... When, when I got to book that show, how full circle, I guess it was, you know, I mean, it, it's hard. It's, I'm having a hard time putting that into words. He was the biggest guy in the world to me. I mean, if, if, if the Beatles were around, it would have been the Beatles. But unfortunately, it wasn't the Beatles. It was Paul. And, and when you think about it, it was only 20 years at that point, only 20 years after the Beatles made their last record. Now it's 50. You know, so when I started doing this, all of, you know, all of those bands were much, much closer to when they were happening and when I got to discover them. I was doing it, I did a Doors uh, 
I did a Doors show, a Doors tribute show in about 1979 or 80. That was fantastic. It was just unbelievable. But when you think about it, they were only a band 10 years earlier. Now it's 50 years ago. So at the time when I started promoting, everything was so new and so fresh. And, and the beautiful thing is the business continues because the very idea of KISS and all the different bands that I promote, all the different bands that you guys are fans of, the very idea of those bands still existing keeps us young and it keeps us thinking great things. Uh, we don't have to change our minds about every last thing. We always have KISS. <laughs> you know, I mean, it sounds weird, but if, if you're a fan, you know what I'm talking about of any band for that matter. There, it's one of the things that you can count on in life when you need to hear something. Music is a big part of everybody's life that grew up in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. And, you know, I mean, in other words, prior to cell phones becoming in everybody's hands, everybody went to music. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now they're yeah. companion, just like my record albums used to be. Um, you know, but now you can plug it in, you can listen to something on your phone, or you could be entertained by looking at things or talking to people. But the bottom line was the music business changed when we went to cell phones. Danny, I know we got to wrap up here. So let's talk real quick about your book, All Ex All Excess. Um, what can our listeners expect to read about in your book? Is it filled with more stories of sort of like what we talked about with Kiss, but talking about Zeppelin and Alice Cooper and everybody else? What's in it? Well, when, when I put the book together, I, I was trying to figure out how to get, a, get across what happened in my life without people having to count on knowing my name because literally nobody knows my name compared to the names of these groups. And I've been fortunate in the sense that the career led me from being in a nightclub to getting onto bigger stages uh, with bigger bands and bigger names. And so that I got to work with everybody at one point or another. I mean, one night I was doing Barry Man. I remember one night I was doing Barry Manilow somewhere. And the next night I was doing Robert Fripp in a classroom at ASU for, <laughs> for some sort of a guitar thing, right? Boy, is I, that a dichotomy. I love doing all different kinds of shows. I like doing the Barry Manilow's and I like doing Soundgarden and I like having Judas Priest. You know, and I like John Prine and I like Alice Cooper. I mean, the business has afforded me the ability to expand on my my listenership of of who I really, really like or have learned to like. And and professionally, you know, I learned how to not turn my nose up at stuff that I didn't like. Rather, why don't I try to find out what's good about these guys or why people are fans of these guys? And, and, and learn how to promote them and learn where they live. And, and, and that's, that's what leads you to doing three and four and 500 shows a year for decades. And, and while it was happening, I had no idea that it was going to happen that way. I didn't know anything was going to happen the way that it did. And, you know, I mean, like you mentioned Clear Channel before. I sold to a company called SFX who sold the Clear Channel and they, all, they knew all along what they were doing while they were buying me and didn't tell anybody. And the next thing you know, I'm part of Clear Channel. I'm going, huh? How did this happen? I mean, nothing against anybody at Clear Channel. I had some friends there. 
And then they realized they'd made a huge mistake and divested themselves of it. And it became Live Nation. And, and I'm with Live Nation. Well, okay, that lasted five years. And, and, and then uh, I went back to being on my own again 10 years ago this month. And um, it's a different world. I'm doing less shows. Um, I don't get to do Kiss so much anymore, but I'm still friends with them. Uh, but I'd sure like to be putting on their shows, but I can't go in there and hand them a, a check for a hundred shows and say, here you go, guys, let's go. Um, so unfortunately the business has gotten in the way of our longstanding relationship, uh, business-wise, but I wish them well. I don't, you know, I mean, things change and they change for me and, and they change for them too. So Doc's still around. I'm in touch with him. Um, one of the greatest promoters ever on earth. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys have him on the show or talk to him often, but if you do, please give him my oh, best. Oh, we will. We will. And, 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 and the band is band often listens to the show as well. So um, where they can should. you know, it, it's great that you guys do this for him. They should be very proud. You know, we, Thanks, we, Dan, you know, we, we are big fans and we look at this as this is the little thing we can do to give back to a band that gave us 40 plus years of happiness. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure you kind we of look at it that music. way when you, when, when you, when you put on a show, sometimes you're probably like, I'm just giving back to you artist, whoever, because you made me happy. Every, every now and then, you know, uh, an agent will call and ask me about booking somebody and, and they'll think that maybe it's a C act or a D act. They're really not big anymore. Maybe the, at best they're going to be in a club uh, or an opening act slot somewhere. And, you know, for the bands that I appreciated when I was a kid or growing up or, or new in the business and I've promoted over time and they were cool to me and we got along or I like their music or somebody I know likes their music, I'll book them anyway um, and try to figure out something because, you know, I mean, there's, there's bands that they have a flash in the pan, uh, but people know their names for a long time and they, that's all they know how to do is sing or dance or perform. And, and when they come back around and they're not at the top anymore, you got to take care of them. You got to give them shows because of two big reasons. One, you owe them. And number two, what if they get really big again and they remember you wouldn't give them a gig when they needed one. So this, right. these are the weird, weird things yep. that go on in your head when, when you're in the midst of booking anybody. I mean, um, in the last, in the last couple of weeks, I just got offered skunk Baxter is going to put out an album his first record finally after 90 years, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm, going, how, I'm going, how am I going to book Skunk Baxter? So I suggested to him, well, um, Larry Carlton wants to go out and do an evening of Steely Dan. Would you consider teaming up with him? I haven't heard back anything yet, but, um, you know, but I, you know, what, what's Skunk going to do? If he comes out, I'm going to play him in a 300 capacity club, unless, you know, he's written up in Time Magazine as uh, the second coming of, uh, of Skunk Baxter, um, you know, I mean, I'd love to book him again because you know he's going to come out with some super quality show and presentation that you don't want to miss, but not everybody remembers who he is, which is weird for me because, I mean, who doesn't know who Skunk Baxter is? Um, but I'd book him in a heartbeat. Same with Larry Carlton. And I just got a call about booking Steve Vai. I love Steve Vai. Uh, he plays louder than anybody. 
Um, and, I, and he's a great player. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff still out there to do. And, and I don't care if people are obscure. If I know about them or I had something to do with them at one point, I very well will, will want to work with them again. I mean, it, it, the, the cycle needs to go on. Yep. What, what, Dan, Danny, what, uh, where can people go to get your book? What's your website? Where they can get more information? It's, uh, it's dannyzaliscopresents.com or dzplive.com. Um, that's where you can order the book. And, and there's also other stuff about the book and there are some articles and things and all the other shows that we've got coming and God knows what's on there. Plus, um, you can also get a Kindle at Amazon or, or a print on demand at Amazon. It's a, it's a different version of the same book, but they're both really nice. Excellent. Excellent. Danny, thank you so much. We are having a little internet yeah, difficulties sorry, here as, as the world is dealing with zoom for the last year. Thank you for <laughs> sitting down and talking with us. Like I said, you're let you, you, if somebody's in the business, you're a legend, you are a, a legendary yes. promoter and, it has been an honor to have you join us here and share some of your stories. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, if you guys run into a slow news day and you need another uh, guest on short notice, let me know. I'm, I'm always happy to sit around and talk with music guys. I love it. You, you got it. Thank That's you so great. much. Thank Danny. you, Danny. So very much. This was fascinating. Hey, three sides fans. Uh, something pretty exciting uh, going on that, uh, um, how do, I, how do I put this? There's going to be a really cool auction for an incredible cause. And we're joined by Jerry and Carl for, is it Rock and Recovery, correct? Yeah. yeah. And uh, matter of fact, I'm going to have some stuff in there. I'm donating a few things. I'm going through my prize closet. And, uh, are you, Mark, Mark, are you donating your old Kiss router? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, going to be sending some stuff to Keith tomorrow. Um, I don't know what, like I said, I've got my, I got to go through some stuff and I'll send that to him. But anyways, what, what, uh, what's going on here are some really incredible people going to be selling some really incredible uh, items for an incredible cause and uh, Jerry, take it away. Well, um, it actually is the brainchild of Eric, who, um, as everyone knows, in light of the pandemic and the shutdown, um, a lot of people are out of work, especially our backline workers, um, you know, our hair and makeup people. Yeah. Um, so he wanted to do something that would help um, ease some of the financial hardships that may have been, um, that may have, bur that may burden them now because of the lost income. So on March 27th, we are having an auction on Kiss Live Auctions on Facebook. Um, that will proceeds will benefit um, Kiss Crew. Um, so the money's raised, 100% will be divided up amongst um, the crew, and we will pay um, all their household essentials or utility essentials or you know whatever may be in the, the arrears um, to help uh, you know ease that financial burden. But with that said. It turns out that now everyone who has heard about this is having their own little private auctions and they're, they're selling stuff and they're donating um, right on our website. They're using the hashtag crew care. 
so we know where to allocate the money to. Um, and we got a pretty good jump start on it. So, what, 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 do, you, do you know what kind of stuff? What's what are some of the cool uh, items that are going to be? We have. Awesome? Uh, oh my goodness. Well, let me put it this way. Um, last week we had some albums signed by Ace. We had a couple albums signed by all four original members of the band. Um, I know what's coming up uh, for for Crew Care is a lot of stuff from Eric's personal collection. I know um, Tommy Thayer just joined on. He's going to donate some things. Um, uh, Ace has signed uh, a bunch of albums already for us. Um, and then, of course, there's this whole large fan base that are donating things from their collection um, to help support this effort. And, and I want to jump in and just say, because we talk about this a lot, Jerry, for those of you that are not familiar with any of this, we've been preaching go to Kiss Live Auctions on the Facebook page, but you have to sign up because yeah. once you sign up, they check to make sure you're you and then they approve you. So don't wait until the day of the 27th to do this. Sign up now. Just take two minutes out of your day, sign up on the group, and then you'll have access because without access to this group, you will not be able to see any of these auctions. It's a very good point. Yep. Yep. Very true. Very true. But, um, but there's a lot of people getting on board right now. So we're hoping, um, you know, within the coming week, we'll be able to show some teasers of what is going to go up for auction. Question. And, and question. Just, you guys know, oh, I was going to say, Michael, that we're recording this on Tuesday. Today's what, 16th? 16th. So. Yeah, so this show is going to air next Tuesday, just a few days before the auction. So um, hopefully uh, make sure, Jerry, when you do get those teasers or whatever, make sure you get them to Michael and, you, and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to post them on our socials and okay. share them with everybody. Oh, that's um, great. Quick, quick question, Jerry, for somebody who might not be able to take part in the auction for, a, you know, a variety of reasons, is there a way they could just donate directly? Yeah. There's two ways they can donate directly. Um, there will be a donate button on the Kiss Live Auction webpage. And then they can always go to rockandrecoveryfoundation.org. We have a donate button there that uses the hashtag kiss, uh, crew care. Excellent. Excellent. So, yes, everybody keep that in mind. If, if your schedule doesn't permit you to take part in the auction, but you still want to help out the Kiss crew, um, please just go ahead, feel free to go ahead and make a direct donation of one, anything one thing i do know i believe the wednesday before the actual auction um there'll be a claim auction of uh photos of eric singer three different poses um there's only 10 photos of each um and uh they'll go up before the actual event so if anybody's interested they should take a look awesome awesome yeah. this is a th again this is a great cause everybody i mean the I just saw something today that basically, you know, the, the, the entertainment industry, which this is part of, was the first industry shut down and is going to be the last industry brought back. Yep. It's right or wrong. Don't get into the politics. This is just the reality. Everybody is out of a job. As you said, everybody from the, the guitar techs, and the drum techs, to the wardrobe, the hairstylists, the production managers, the, the lighting directors, all of these, and the musicians, 
Uh, you know, we're not raising money for KISS themselves here. Let's be clear about that. But everybody in this business has been shut down now for over a year. And, you know, it's going to be a few more months before things really start coming back. So anything you can do to help is going to be greatly appreciated. You know, I talked to Eric a lot about this. And when he was first talking about it, you know, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people, um, you know, hosting all kinds of fundraisers, but, you know, you have to start with your inner circle first. You have to take care of your, your own first, Yep. you know, and then you expand on that. Um, so, you know, that's when he said, you know what, I, I want to take care of, of our crew. Let, let's do something for them. And then, you know, whatever I need to do for everyone else, you know, sign me up. But, but right now we're going to take care of our own first. That's you know awesome. It is awesome. It really is. Because if everyone did that, we wouldn't have such a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and let's be honest, these shows, these tours that we love by kiss do not happen without the incredible road crews that are behind there. I mean, you know, when I, when I was working with the band, I was always in awe sitting back and watching the crews load in the gear, set it up, tear it down. It is a military operation <laughs> that is executed every single night in a matter of hours. And it's quite impressive the, the amount of work they put in so we can raise our fists and scream to Gene and Paul for a couple hours. Well, I, I, I tell you what, we've all been, I, you know, I, I tell you what, especially speaking for, for Tommy and I, we've, you know, we've been to uh, shows together and been very fortunate to meet these wonderful people. And we won't get too specific or anything, but these are salt of the earth, lunch pail guys who work their asses off to make sure we see the best show in the world. And they do it day in and day out. And, 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 and also too, Look how many times these guys will will throw you a pick or throw you, you know, especially on the last tour with the balloons or whatever. the The road crew really is almost like the PR extension for the band. They they treat everybody so well, and especially Kiss. They really, yeah. That's how come I said that, Tommy. We've witnessed it. These are the best of the best people. Kiss really does have the A one crew, and guys, they're hurting. And uh, you know, that's how come I'm digging into my prize closet and you know, send in some stuff. Uh, they deserve it. These, again, guys, these are your neighbors too. I mean, these are, these are people that they get up and go to work. These guys aren't, you know, sitting by the pool, you know, <laughs> um, you know, lounging while, while the band's playing. These are the guys that, you know, that, that do all the work. So we get the great shows and, and they're hurting and we really need to support them right and now. We're, and we're also very grateful for the partnership with uh, Kiss Live Auctions. Um, Kenny has an amazing following. Um, I mean, Kiss fans are the best. They are. <laughs> they, they, they are. Just are. <laughs> and, and, you know, his membership is unbelievable. Peter um, Corey, a tip of the hat to Peter. Oh, yeah, of course. And Peter as well. Um, you know, they just, they're just there. They're great. And, um, you know, allowing us to do this on his platform. Um, we are incredibly appreciative for as well. I also and want to touch on one other thing about the auctions is for those of you that um, 
have listened to our stories where we've talked about going to these kiss conventions over the years this is really much like that because it's a real family of people and they are uh, Bill Bjornholm is one of the moderators and there, there's a bunch of great moderators, but Bjorn, Bjornholm, especially, he's very good about getting rid of the pre people who are an issue. So it's a safe, wonderful place to go where your opinion counts. So if you love 1983 and that's your favorite era of the band, you're going to be respected for that. What, what about if I come in there and talk about crazy nights? Will they, they me... will love you and they will open you. They will accept you with open arms. Yes. <laughs> no, you're weird, but they'll accept you. And that's, that's very true. But this is, but it's important to point out because I do some of these auctions and when Kyle and I get together and do them, we have a blast and we tell stories and we talk to the people who are engaged in the auction that night. So it's a great place for you as a KISS fan to meet other like-minded KISS fans to hang out with and, and chat. It's a lot of fun. It makes it a nice evening. So not only are you going to get a chance to get some really cool items and help out a great cause, but you also get to hang out with fellow KISS fans and hear some great stories and have some laughs. We, so, we also received some donations from Bruce Kulik that came in last night as well. And uh, Keith LaRue will be uh, hosting as well as PJ, uh, Pat, um, yeah. along with Kenny. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Just, Kenny, Kenny, it's Kenny Effenbagley. Yeah, KFB. <laughs> it's KFB, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great group of people. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send some stuff over too. So oh, I... Yeah, absolutely. So please, guys, support this. And remember, it's Kiss Live Auctions on Facebook. Go to the web page, sign, or the, the web, I suppose it's a page on Facebook, and just sign up. They just ask you a couple of, like, Kiss questions, Kiss fan questions. It's pretty simple. But what's going to happen is, is that every time we talk about this, they get a run on people trying to sign up, and then you end up getting backlogged. So the sooner the better. This is, this is some of the stuff out of my prize closet. A double. Ooh, let's see. A Japanese promo yeah. poster. Nice. Wow. This is going to be Ooh. good stuff. I'm, I'm going through my prize closet, some of my doubles. I got a whole box full of stuff here. Look at this. Look at this. Mark is actually getting off of his chair, opening <laughs> up packages to send to the auction. Yeah. No, seriously. You know what? I'm really excited to help these. You know, I, I got I to gotta admit, it was, it was a nice thing that I'm like, God, you know, I, I, I got rid of all my doubles years ago, but I still know I have some stragglers and I'm like, you know what, when, when Eric called me and it's like, Hey, do you got anything? You know? And I'm like, you know what? I know I do. So it kind of forced me. I'm like, wow, this is some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I said Japanese promo. For Mark, Mark, Mark's like, promo. I'd buy this if I wasn't donating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have two of them. So, but my point is it's, I'm happy that it's, because I'm happy that it's going to go to somebody who's really going to appreciate it. And I'm happy that when they spend their money, it's going to be going to people who treat me like a freaking king when I see them. Aww. And you know what I mean? I tell you, the Kiss Road Crew, I mean, for years. Yeah, I mean, that's how we've got to, that's how we've got to know these. But again, Tommy and I have gone to many shows together and every time we see them, and this is, this is for the last decade or more, you know, Every time they see us, they're like, hey, you know what I mean? And again, it just warms my heart to be able to help these people because they are, they are the best of the best. Yeah. Um, you know, that's all. So, so let's just recap everything. March 27th on Kiss Live Auctions on Facebook. Um, we, we sign up early. 
and you can get more information by we'll share information as we get it through all of uh, the three side social media accounts or you can go to rockandrecoveryfoundation.org. Uh, I, I love that conversation with Danny. I mean, yeah, we had a couple little glitches, but when yeah, does three sides that. of the coin not have glitches? Danny was fantastic. Uh, you know, yeah. he, and, and I'm saying this in a good way, if, if Danny's watching this, we just let him start talking and he was off. It was sort of like having, when we had Ted on or when we had Dennis DeYoung on, you can just sit back and you don't have to say anything because his stories, his commentary was fantastic. We've got to have him back on. Yeah, yeah. We really do because that was fascinating. Yeah, I don't think we even really scratched the surface with him because he talked a lot more Kiss than I thought he was going to talk. I was really looking forward to getting into some of the, the, the other stuff. I know. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, he, we could have talked so many bands with him outside of Kiss, which... I know the three of us would love, and even if our listeners didn't, wouldn't love it, we don't give a crap what our listeners like. <laughs> it's <laughs> three what, guys at a bar, baby. It's what excites <laughs> three of us. So, um, yeah, I mean, some good Alice Cooper stories. I, I mean, you know, more cheap trick stories. You know, even the Paul McCartney stuff. Let's dig into that. Oh, Paul McCartney. Well, he didn't answer my question. I wonder what the biggest bust was. Yeah, I he, he, know. He, he, I, I know when, when you asked that and I saw him, I'm like, okay, is he going to is he gonna answer that or is he going to I, I really want to parlay that in, into, um, into, like, I remember when Kiss was doing really bad, and this was before, his, before he was really, you know, going full bore, but I was reading, and I don't know if it was in Chris Lent's book, where some of these promoters were taking like creatures and let's face it lick it up didn't do all that great either i mean they were getting on the radio again but the tour was hardly well, tour was a hard sell yes but there were some of these old-time promoters were you know since they had such huge successes they were kind of taking one for the team and i was just wondering if you know i wanted to ask them like you know how many times did you take one for the team i mean that's no different than any business i you know i take on some turkey jobs that i really wouldn't normally do but the people well, that I, I, I think he might you might have been having your your um, iPad issues where he did say that he would book he will book acts that were important to him that he knew that he liked for a couple reasons and one of them was they may be nothing right now but if they hit really big you want you don't want them to come back and say, oh, well, I'm not booking this big tour with you because you didn't book me when things weren't the best. Oh, Mike, that frustrated me because that's when I found out you guys couldn't hear me. I just finished Peter Frampton's book and that exact same thing. He was playing clubs and then the nostalgia caught up. And, and here in Detroit, he played the Ritz. You know, just a, a, yep. a bar, you know, club. Same place Paul and, Stanley did a solo tour. Correct, correct. And a few years later, 10 years later, he's back to playing Pine Knob yep. because the career does this. Yep, and, and that's and exactly what he was talking about. You know how I, you know, I booked you into the Ritz, but now that you're drawing Pine Knob numbers, <laughs> exactly, hey, it's good business. But he's right. He's right. You know? Well, I mean, that, 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 that's good business in all business. If you've got clients you've been with for a long time, you don't 
desert them when your client's business gets a little rough. You you it's work with them. Taking it for the team. Taking, taking it for, for the team. team. You ride yeah. it out because like everything, everything goes up and down in life. And at some point in time, if that other, if your client can ride it out long enough, the KISS reunion tour hits in 96. And because you were nice to them 10 years earlier, you get to book the show. When you were nice on the Crazy Nights tour. Yep. And I have a feeling that KISS, just using them as an example, yep. they are the type of band or people that will remember that. <laughs> Look at Mark. He's frozen again. You were I would frozen. Think, I would think that they would remember that. You know what I mean? Oh, no. They they, they do. Bands may remember that. Managers remember that. You, you do business with people who are on your team who are in your corner who don't desert you when things get rough you know you right. don't burn bridges what's that what's that vinnie vincent invasion like, or the <laughs> slaughter song burning bridges you don't burn your bridges you see people on the way up and you see them on the way down that's a great aussie quote better be nice to the people on your way up because you're going to see them again on the bed and on your yep. True. yep exactly so anyway yes you know I can't recommend enough if you love the business side of the music industry, especially tours. And I do. You got to check out Danny's book. Yes, it is great. I mean, you're this. This isn't just I, I said it. Danny's a legendary promoter. He's one of the big promoters in the country. He's seen it. He's booked it. He's lived it. He's done it read his book. You'll get some great insight into this business. And we just scratched it in our conversation with him. Yeah, it's true. Um, and, and of course, don't forget about the rock and recovery auction yeah. coming up on the 27th. Also, if you're watching this next week, see how we did that. Yep. Um, Saturday, the 27th, correct? That's that one it is. Yeah. Saturday, the 27th. Uh, yes, Saturday, March 27th. Which would be this Saturday. Right. After yep. the series. This Saturday coming up. That's um, why guys get sign up now. Don't wait till Saturday. I'm telling you, you'll miss it. You will not be able to see it. Yep. Yep. So let Man. let's come up with a, a couple little homework questions here. Um let's see, something related. Well, Ha, by chance have you gotten Danny's book already and what did you think of it um, I was going to say kind of promoter questions but you know a lot of listeners don't know that side of the business okay let, let's throw this out like, here I, I, I was going to say if, if you know Danny said he'd come back at any point in the future if we get him back what do you want to know about the concert business Oh, that's good. What yeah. what what do you want us to ask Danny next time about putting on concerts? On, I want to piggyback on to something. Is this my like? You know, now 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 you're back. Now you're back. You were right. frozen. How about this? Because this is something he seemed passionate about, and it's certainly something I'm very passionate about. And I showed it earlier. New Alice Cooper. What? What older band, what of their more recent, say within the last 10 years, with, you know, some, from maybe 
2011 on. What classic band, Van Halen, Cheap Trick, you know, name it, Alice Cooper. Which songs or which, which albums do you think deserved to be played on modern radio or what? Because to me, I, I love so many of these bands who, you know, like Sticks and, and, uh, and, and again, you know, Al Cooper, the new except. There's, oh, there's so many. I mean, there's, the, you know, there's so many. Uh, In This Moment is a, a great one. Uh, yeah, there's so many great bands and, and he's so right. They're just not playing this stuff and it's not classic rock. Yeah, that's a good question. A good like one. What 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 band specifically? What album, or even what song, should, would would fit right in with a a, a, a rock station today? Oh, I'm gonna go old dog band that left at the. <laughs> for for those of you who missed it, because Mark was buffering. Rock and roll dogs from Left for Dead. There you go, right up there at the the best of classic rock. All right, so uh, let's wrap this up. If you are watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're on Spotify, follow us. Subscribe on iTunes. Um, we do have a guest next week. It's somebody that we had to reschedule from a couple weeks ago, and that's it. Three sides of the coin. We'll see everybody next week. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.